Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Well, Mac fellow adventurers, time to continue the adventure in Bleakest Winter with the trial choices part. The first choice is Winter's Wack. A faint Winter storm wages across the vast swath of the North Broadlands, struggling to make your way through the howling blizzard as the night sets in. You stumble upon a troop of desperate travellers huddled on a small hollow that does little to shelter them from the storm's vicious bite. Nearby, the towering tower of a powerful sorcerer rises up at the edge of the forest. A lonely vestige of the civilised world in this remote corner of the frozen wilds. The travellers tell you that the wizard believes them to be thieves and has allowed them and has refused to allow them in the tower despite the perilous weather. The prospect of having to spend the night in the storm ravaged wilds is not a comforting one. So as with all of the questions here it's a trilemma. Yeah, you think you're so clever with your dilemmas. But here's a trilemma, which is at least 50% better. I could seek refuge for myself in the tower. That seems a bit selfish. Seek refuge for yourself and the travellers in the tower. Or brave the storm in the travellers' camp. Hmm, I kind of, I sort of have to try the second one. I have to at least try it. Okay, I'll go for two. Your decision is made. Your request for shelter is at first denied. 
but your persistence pays off and the sorcerer agrees to provide food and lodging for both you and the band of travellers. A friendship is kindled between the sorcerer and one of the travellers, which leads to the mage hiring the group to stay on in gainful roles in his employ. Huh, that worked out okay. Your every thought is suddenly bent on things you haven't yet seen and may never come to pass. Your head swims as your surroundings slowly come back into focus. The scene around you changes swiftly into a time, place and circumstance that confronts you with another thorny dilemma. The second one, adoring eyes. You watch as the grey-clad archer slowly lowers his drawn bow, pointing the tip of his out of of his arrow at the distant target. A hush falls over the gathered onlookers. The archer, about to take his third shot in a tournament attended by many of the realm's best bowmen, for which the grand prize is a magical amulet, closes one eye and softly exhales. Once again, you catch a glimpse of a faint silver light flickering on the tips of the archer's fingers. It's the same strange light you spotted just before the man loosed his two previous perfectly placed shots. The grey-clad archer is using some sort of magic to guide his arrows. The man's two young young children standing at the fore of the sizable crowd of spectators stare adoringly at their father as he prepares to fire. So, I have some options here. I could endeavour to undermine the cheating archer. I could say nothing or reveal the cheating archer. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, he is cheating. And that's just unfair for everyone else, isn't it? I guess I have to reveal it. The decision it's made. You expose the archer as a cheater and watch as the contest officials escort both he and his sobbing children from the tournament field. Oh, well, well that's... Okay, I don't like this. I made this... Ch- I made ch- days later, as you stroll past the empty contest grounds, an arrow screams out of your dusty surroundings, missing you by mere inches. You never catch a glance of who it was who launched the arrow, but your suspicions will forever firmly rest on one person. Your thoughts suddenly twist to an incoherent web of grim, forbidding images. Foreboding images. Yeah, so you get these, that last line, there's, I think there's about three different versions of it, and they mean something. Your head swims as your surroundings come back into focus. The scene around you swiftly changes in time, place and circumstance and confronts you with yet another thorny thorny trilemma. It says dilemma, but it's actually a trilemma. Actually, I don't know. Does di mean two? Yeah, I've checked. There's definitely an emphasis in the word dilemma about there being two options. But in this case, there are three options. So I'm going to call them trilemmas. 
number three, the merchant's gold. On a rugged stretch of road near a destitute village in the remote corner of the kingdom, you happen upon a chest of gold that has only recently toppled from the back of a passing merchant's wagon. The merchant, whose chest it is, is an honest, kind-hearted peddler who often parts with his wares at a loss for the benefit of those who cannot afford them. He could easily catch up to the merchant's wagon, no more than a mile down the road, and return to him the gold that his rightfully is. However, he also realised the gold would help to tend to the, di- to, to the vital needs of the desperately impoverished inhabitants of the village. Okay, so a few options. Gift the gold to the destitute village. There's, there's definitely something to be said for that. Keep the gold for yourself. No, no, not doing that. Or return the gold to the merchant. Hmm. So really, I think this is sort of a classic Kantian Unitarian versus Unitarian logic sort of thing. So I think the most Kantian object is always return what is lost. You, you have to return it. Unitarian, you could probably argue gift the gold to the destitute village. But you could say, if the gold is lost, it may make him a more cynical person. And in the end, cause more suffering. Hmm. 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 Yeah, so, no... I mean, it would, have been, it would have been easier if the merchant was a dick. <laughs> but he says right here, he's an honest, kind-hearted peddler. So I guess... Uh, uh, I guess I have to return the gold. Decisions made. You return... You return the chest to the grateful merchant, who later decides to gift the residents of the impoverished village half of the gold it contains. That's probably enough. Your every thought is suddenly bent on things that haven't yet been, and may never come to pass. Your head swims as your surroundings slowly come back into focus. The scene around you swiftly places into another time, place and circumstance that confronts you with yet another thorny dilemma. Well, trilemma. A vile tome is number four. Uh, it's not always number four. There, when you when you, you play for it a lot of times, the order they're done in is mixed up a bit, for reasons. I guess to, just to just to give, just to make it a bit more interesting, maybe. In a hidden chamber in the bowels of a ruined fortress, during a quest to recover an enchanted gauntlet. You unearth a massive leather-bound tomb. The heavy book is filled with descriptions of strange, ancient and malevolent magic. You immediately deem its contents to be dangerous, possibly in ways unfathomable. You desire to hand over the book to those who might prove capable of safely learning its secrets 
is tapered by the force of its foulful magic being invertibly unleashed upon an unsuspecting world. So, of the few options, I could present the tome to the mazes capable of studying its contents. So, there, there's a chance of something very bad happening, but presumably there's a chance of something very good happening. I could destroy the tome, which keeps everything carries on as normal, pretty much. Admittedly, the mages probably won't be particularly pleased with me, but they probably understand, or I could just disappear. Or leave the tome where you found it. Which really just means it's only a matter of time till someone else finds it. And then we're right back and then we're right back here. So that that's that's not really making a decision, it's just putting it off. Hmm. Thing is I think if the mages asked me to get this they presumably know a lot about what it probably is. So they probably have preparations. Present the tome to mages capable. Oh, no, well, I, the quest to a an enchanted gauntlet. Hmm. So maybe they don't know anything about how to deal with this tome. Hmm. Hmm, yeah. No, I will present the tome to the mages. Decision is made. You meet with a delegation of Grey Circle mages in Talus and present to them the tome. The mages thank you for recovering the ancient book and promise to undertake a thorough examination of its arcane contents. Some months later, you're startled to learn the Grey Circle compound in which the tomb, tome was ultimately taken was discovered to be completely abandoned. With no sign to be had the mages that once occupied its sprawling grounds. Your thoughts suddenly twist into an incoherent web of grim, foreboding images. Okay, th that's a, that didn't turn out well. That didn't turn out well at all. Your head swims as your surroundings slowly come back into focus. The sweet scene around you swiftly changes to another time, place and circumstance that confronts you with yet another thorny trilemma. A fire wages. The moles nose in. A favourite hostel at the eastern end of Briar, Briar Pass Pike is engulfed in flames, rushing towards the inferno. Your ears are greeted by the terrified whining of several horses trapped in the inn's attached stable, which has just caught fire. You're about to run to the stable when a ghastly sound rises above the wall of this insatiable flames. Looking up, you spot several people trapped on the inn's second floor, screaming for you to help them escape. Getting any closer to the main buildings or stables could prove deadly. Oh, I deal with that all the time. So, I have three options. I could decide against whisking your life in the blaze, attempt to rescue the people from the inn, or attempt to rescue the horses from the stable. And presumably the fire is so intense that you only have time to rescue one of them. And so 
I've been. I mean, I mean, pretty much, you kind of have to choose people over horses. I mean, I'm sorry, horses, but I guess I have to attempt to rescue the people. You see, your decision is made. You valiantly fight your way through the smoke and fire and succeed in rescuing all of those trapped on the inn's upper level. Only seconds after you escort the last person to safety, a loud groan fills the air as the structure's upper level collapses into the first. A brave young man, whose heroic deeds will one day spare the kingdom an epoch of tumult, is among those you save from the burning inn. Okay, I think that, that looks like the right choice. Unless some of those forces were really, really magic. <laughs> but even then, the uh, horses. <laughs> I assume there's probably some people, there's probably a few people, maybe a few people listening to this who would go for the horses. But, uh, no. <laughs> your, your every thought is suddenly bent on things that haven't yet been and may never come to pass. Your head swims as your surroundings slowly come back into focus. The scene around you swiftly changes into a time, place and circumstance that confronts you with yet another thorny trilemma. Number six, time grows short. A powerful blizzard sweeps across a vast region of eastern Telsa, burying the kingdom as its ravaging winds and bitter chill exacts a deadly toll. While sheltering in a mountain village, you learn that several inhabitants of a nearby settlement have gone missing in the wilderness. Unless they are found quickly, they will surely perish. As you search for the as the search for the lost people is about to get away, with you leading the effort, there emerge two opposing notions regarding their likely whereabouts. An eccentric sorcerer who dwells at the outskirts of the village claims that with the help of his magic he's determined that he's determined that the missing people have taken refuge in the ruins of an old fort in the rugged foothills. His assertion is immediately disputed by a grizzled, well respected woodsman who believes it's most likely that the seven villagers are trapped in a deep valley at the foot of the of the mountain. So three options once again: trust the grizzled woodsman, trust the eccentric sorcerer, or put forward your own theory regarding the whereabouts. Now, I don't live here. I, I, I almost certainly don't live there. So I probably I don't know the area. So I don't think my theory is that is is as really has any. There's no. There's nothing to say that my that any theory I have is going to be solid. So it's, it's one of those two: the woodsman or the sorcerer. Uh, I'll go for the sorcerer. The decision is made. Placing the suck. Placing your trust in what the sorcerer said, 
you lead the search party to the ruined fort in the snow-bound foothills. After a thorough search of the fort turns up no sign of the lost villagers, the missing people are discovered sheltering in a vale at the foot of the mountain, half frozen and close to death. Only with heroic effort are you able to effect a rescue that safely returns each and every one of them to their homes. Okay, so... I... So, I didn't make the right choice, but things still turned out okay. Your every thought is suddenly bent on things that haven't yet been and may never come to pass. Your head swims as your surroundings slowly come back into focus. The scene around you swiftly changes to a time, place and circumstance confronts you with yet another thorny trilemma. Number seven, that sinking feeling. Desperate cries for help lead you along a meandering path for a tangled block and up bog and up to the edge of the weedy, muck-filled morass. Sinking into the pool of mud, only his upper torso still visible, is a middle-aged man with a long scar down down the right side of his face. You immediately recognise him to be a murderous brigand. Those recent crimes include the wanton slaying of tra travellers he robbed along the road throughout the region. The wanted man, perceptible fear in his eyes and a desperate edge to his voice, calls out for you to help him escape the deadly grip of the swamp as it steadily drags him under. So I could save him from his deadly predicament and let him go. Nah. Let the murderous brigand perish in the mire. Or save him from his deadly predicament and capture him. Honestly, I think the last option is the one that appeals to me. Because as I said before, don't let people die. Previously, I said, parties as a rule, don't let people die. And even if they're bad, just report them to the correct authorities. That is literally what I said the last episode. So I kind of have to go for option three, don't I? Decision is made. With some clever tactics and a swift bit of work, you free the man from the oozing mire. Once he's back on solid ground, covered from head to toe in muck, you take advantage of his exhausted state and capture him. Too wary to put up any meaningful resistance, the man resigns himself to his fate, which now rests in your hands. Your every thought is suddenly bent on things that haven't yet been and may never come to pass. Your head swims as your surroundings slowly come back into focus. The scene around you swiftly changes to a time, place and circumstance confronts you with yet another thorny trilemma. Trial of choices. Number eight, a babbled prophecy. Near the quayside in Port Halleck, you're approached by a ragged beggar who's keen to ramble to you about an unsettling premonition he had regarding the faint of a ship due to embark on a long voyage. You listen with growing suspicion to the beggar's unlikely 
outlandish account of the vision, which ends, which ends with the ship being dragged into the depths by a fearsome sea creature. Despite your instinct to disregard his ravings, the ship he's mentioned is presently docked at the far end of the quay. It would be simple, but potentially fluorating, to relay the beggar's bizarre warning to the captain and crew of the vessel in question. So, I could warn the captain about the beggar's vision, offer to sell the beggar's vision to the captain, I mean, that's not a good thing. If you believe the vision, then you're being a jerk. If you don't believe the vision, you're selling somewhat something. So you're you're selling them something that you know is you believe is useless, and you're being a jerk. I mean, it's not like I had the vision, so it's, it's not even really my own work I'm selling. I just happened to overhear something. Now, the thing is, if the vision is true, then we save lives. But if the vision is false, and the voyage is cancelled anyway, livelihoods will be ruined. They will be. Outfitting a ship, crewing it... Maintaining it, building it, all that stuff. It's really expensive. And there's probably a lot of stuff. There's probably going to be stuff in that ship that won't keep. Uh, if, if, that, if that ship is delayed for, say, weeks, while, this, while, while he tries to evade, evade the prophecy, then lots of people are going to be ruined. That that's just how it works. Admittedly, if these people, unless these people have spread, have spread all their the investors, maybe they'll be okay. They probably spread their wealth between several ships. That's a sensible thing to do. But but the crew, the crew, the crew. If the ship doesn't sail, they're not going to be paid. And they probably get paid a pittance. And they're probably miles away from anywhere they could just stay. So that they'll be they'll be ruined really. Yeah, hmm. The thing is I don't it's all ba- it basically it comes down to do you think the vision is true? think the vision is true or at least more than same 20% likely to be true then you have to tell the captain if you don't then you decide against warning the captain yeah hmm I do have the instinct to disregard his wavings so I'll decide against warning the captain You, you, start, you think better of relaying the beggar's old warnings to the captain of the ship in question. Two days later, the ship heads to sea, only to swiftly return to port, badly damaged. 
although the captain is reluctant to speak on the matter. Rumours begin circulating the ship was attacked by a strange sea creature. Your thoughts turn to faces and voices lost in the dim haze of the distant past. Okay, that, okay, it turns out the beggar was onto something. Oh well. Of course, if this had been in the course of a proper adventure, I could probably have, say, used divination to just find out to get some clues as to whether it is more accurate. And of course, quit without saving. Or maybe actually, probably what I would have done is offered to sign on to the crew. Because then, if something does happen, I could just fight it off. And if something doesn't happen, well, uh, it's not, not really much of a loss. Your head swims as your surroundings slowly come back into focus. The scene, the scene around you swiftly changes to a time, place and circumstance that confronts you with yet another thorny trilemma. Number 9. Dream Evil Over the course of several weeks, you begin to experience strange, unsettling dreams that gradually take a more sinister turn. Your dreams ultimately spiral into nightmarish visions that involve you inflicting great harm upon both yourself and others, with no apparent rhyme or reason to the gruesome violence. At first, you have little recollection of dreams. However, the grimmer images that make, make up your unwelcome nighttime imaginings begin to haunt your every waking moment. Okay, so I could seek to uncover the cause of your nightmares. Fair enough. Confide in another about your dark imaginings. Or ignore the gruesome images in your dreams. Now, I don't think it is safe to ignore this sort of stuff. Hmm. I'm going to seek to uncover the cause of your nightmares. Your decision is made. You attempt to discover, uncover the cause of your nightmares. Discover, much to your horror, a strange glyph emblazoned on one of your favourite pieces of attire. After destroying the piece of quick question and discarding its remains, your dark visions do not return. Your healthy thought is suddenly bent on things that haven't yet been and may never come to pass. Alright. I guess that worked out. Your head swims as your surroundings slowly come back into focus. The scene around you swiftly changes to a time, place and circumstance that confronts you with yet another thorny trilemma. Trial of Choices Number 10 A Goblin's Plea Late one evening on a desolate road east of Tadnus. You happen upon an encampment of soldiers transporting fugitives to a nearby outpost where they'll face justice for their crimes. As the half-dozen soldiers mill about the fire, one of the prisoners, an elderly goblin who's bound to the back of one of the wagons, begs for you to set him free. 
telling him he's due to be hanged tomorrow. The goblin tells you he's been accused of wobbling travellers on this very road, though he contends he's never stolen anything from anyone. He hastily adds, as that his kin will starve in the wilds if he does not return to them. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Now the thing is, it this boils down to, do I trust this goblin? Now you could kill the goblin yourself, but really that that there's no real reason to do that. He is in the hands of. Of the right of, of the appropriate authorities, it, it, now I don't I don't have to intervene myself. That's just that's just that's just pure vigilantism, and completely unnecessary vigilantism. That I could leave him bound, or free the goblin. Do I trust the goblin or? Now, admittedly, the overwhelming majority of the goblins I've met haven't been very nice at all. But I, but that might just be be a selection bias of the profession that I go in, because people don't ask you to root out the goblins that aren't being violent. You don't get suddenly jumped on by the regular goblins that are just living in their village doing the best they can. Hmm. And then there's Tarangar the and of course Tarangar the Axe, he 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 probably he wouldn't kick up a fight well as he is as he ends up. He wouldn't kick up he wouldn't pick up a fight for no reason. And he did say he did save people he didn't have to save. Hmm. 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 There's really no way of knowing. I'm not given anywhere near enough information to make this decision with. I mean, like, but I mean, I think that's. That, that's what they do with a lot of di of dilemmas and trilemmas. They just force you, they face a choice at you, but don't actually give you any of the information that you would use if you actually face this choice. Alright, I guess... Uh, uh, I think it's kind of against capital punishment. Especially since it's robbing, but not murder. Mm. But yeah, again, it could be lying. Mm. Mm. I'm, I'm going to free the goblin. The decision is made. You quickly free the goblin. The grateful creature thanks you. Pressing a cood. Pressing a cood wouldn't tell us many to hand before making good his escape. The deceitful goblin spree of robbery and murder resumes the very next day. At last comes to an end several months later, thanks to the well-placed hour of a vigilant woodsman. Your every thought is suddenly bent on things that haven't yet been. 
and may never come to pass. Uh, well, I screwed up. Turns out you couldn't trust the goblin. And there probably was no village in peril. You, you tricksy bastard. You tricked me, you theoretical goblin, you. Your head swims as your surroundings slowly come back into focus. The scene around you swiftly changes into a time, place and circumstance confronts you with yet another thorny trilemma. A trial of choices, number 11, pay the dragon. Hired to deliver a tribute of gold and jewels to the ancient stone dragon, those foul shadows have long loomed over the Philippines mining town of Junbrek. You make your way to the creature's lair high in the craggy foothills. Junbrek's mining council, its governing body, has made it plain they wish to pay the dragon the tribute its demands and not risk angering the mighty creature. Upon entering the dragon's cave, you discover the beast deep in slumber. Despite the danger involved, you're all but certain you can slay the sleeping dragon with relative ease, if you so desired. So, here are my options. Attempt to kill the sleeping dragon. Now, if it works, uh, well, the, the, the village is safe. It looks like the dragon isn't, it seems to be a menace, so you could argue for that. But of course, if it doesn't work, the dragon will immediately burninate half the town. Burninate probably several towns. Make the tribute payment as directed. That's, pro that's probably the safest option for me, at least. Or attempt to negotiate the dragon's departure. Now that's, if that works, that will be the best option for the town. Because then the dragon won't be there anymore. And they won't have to pay tribute. They won't have to worry about the dragon stuff. I'm going to go for option three. Decision is made. Your attempt to negotiate the dragon's departure did not go over well. The stone dragon, having taken great offence at the suggestion, he vacates his lair and seek residence elsewhere, knocks you aside, flies off in a ways and raises the town, the town, the town of Jumbrek, killing everyone, not toiling away in the safety of the mines. Oh, bugger. Oh, bugger, oh, bugger, oh, bugger, indeed. That, that went badly. Your thoughts suddenly twist until a incoherent web of grim, foreboding images. Your head swims as your surroundings slowly come back into focus. The scene around you swiftly changes in time, place and circumstance that confronts you with yet another thorny trilemma. Oh, we're at 37 minutes. Uh, I, th I may have to split this into two. The Asur Orb. Having recovered the legendary Asur Orb from the ancient head of the tomb 
tool of the Sorcerer Lord. You're on your way to present the healing artifact to the man who hired you to acquire it, when foul weather forces you to spend the night in a ramshackle inn. The innkeeper, who suffers from a virulent swain of swamp wife, confides in you who is only a few months left to live, but he fears for the welfare of his wife and children after his passing. You immediately realise the magic contained in the assault. Short, the assault orb, can almost certainly rid him of his deadly affliction. I also have the power of restoration. But of course, I can't use this because this is a moral trilemma, and there's, you know, you can't just cheat with them. That eliminates the whole point. However, using this orb in the orb in this manner would likely render the artifact powerless and thus worthless to the man who already paid you handsomely for its recovery. Ah, oh, been paid in advance. Now that, that changes things. So, use the provide the means necessary to look after his family. I guess that's money. Use the Assure Orb to try and cure the innkeeper. Or... Decide against using the orb now. So now, presumably, if if a wizard tasks me to retrieve a healing orb, it's presumably so he can heal some people. Presumably, several people. Because why else would you want a healing orb? Yeah. Or, maybe even more, more than that, study the healing orb so that you can figure out how to make more of them and then heal thousands of people. Of course, if you use it, then that can't happen. Yes, yes, I mean, I I can't really think of a use for this orb that doesn't involve at least one person being healed. Hmm. But that person with the swap watch is is in front of me right now. Hmm. No, I would decide against using the orb. Now, I think it's, it's sort of Odd that provide the means necessary to look at his family and decide against using the orb as separate options when really they're not. They're not separate. They're not. They're not mutually exclusive. And in fact, to do the second, you have the first. You have to do the third. Okay. Decide against using the orb. Your decision is made. You decide against using the orb and soon leave the inn the following morning. The man who hired you to recover the artifact is grateful to receive it. He confides in you he hopes to use its healing powers to cure an innkeeper friend of his of a particularly virulent strain of swamp what? Well, that worked out. That worked out perfectly fine. I kept my price and the innkeeper gets healed. I mean, a bit later than it would be otherwise, but 
Till it all works out, it's a very powerful orb, so it'll be able to sort it out. Your thoughts suddenly twist into an incoherent web of grim, foreboding images. Your head swims as your surroundings slowly come back into focus. The scene around you swiftly changes into a time, place and circumstance confronts you with yet another thorny dilemma. Trilemma. Trial of Choices 13 of The Careening Wagon. You look on in horror as a driverless wagon, laden with casks and drawn by a pair of spooked draft horses, careens through the, cra- the crowded town square. Screams fill the air as people dash and dive out of the wagon's wild path as it hurtles towards the far side of the bustling quadrangle. Suddenly, you catch sight of a young boy and an elderly woman, a few feet apart, a few feet apart from each other, frozen in in terror as the out-of-control wagon bears down on them. Without a second thought, you sprint in their direction, realizing you won't have time to try and save both of them. So, do I save? Do I attempt to stop the wagon? Do I attempt to rescue the child? Or attempt to rescue the old woman. Hmm. Now. Hmm. Now. Child or old woman. Now. Really. Rescue the. Rescue the child. Less life. Is. Lost. More. Yes, the least life is lost if the child is saved. But if the old woman is saved, you save the most experience and skills. Mm. Yeah, okay, now I'm going to attempt to stop the wagon. Your decision is made. You leap onto the wagon as it hurtles past and pull yourself into the empty driver's seat. Taking the reins, you manage to gain just enough control to avoid striking... The young child and the old woman. However, only moments later, despite your valiant efforts, the wagon abruptly lurches to the white as a terrified, as its terrified team draws it straight into a screaming throng of onlookers. Oh, boat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this, yeah. This is one of those people who does not like it when you try to get round their trolley problems. Because that's what this was. It was a trolley problem. And I tried to go, yeah, I saved both. I saved both. I said, no. No, no, I'm the philosopher here. You answer the question. Don't die, don't try to get round it. They both die. Yes, yes. You try, you try to crash the train, but the train was ca- was ca- was carrying highly toxic anomia gas, and it crashes out, and it poisons the entire, it poisons everyone within a three mile radius. See, yeah. Thank you very much, you ethical person. You, you killed, you killed two hundred thousand people. Ha. Ah. Your thoughts suddenly twist into an incoherent web of grim, 
foreboding images. Your head swims as your surroundings slowly come back into focus. The scene around you swiftly changes to a time, place and circumstance that confronts you with yet another thorny dilemma. Trilemma. Trial of choices. 14. Who has to know? In the depths of a sprawling Ardavari tomb. You and your two companions at last discover the chest which you hope contains the magical scroll for which you've all repeatedly risked life and limb. While your cohorts guard the chamber entrances, lest any of the tomb's undead guardians should reappear, you turn your attention to the chest. After determining that the chest is neither locked nor trapped, well that's unexpected, you tip back its weighty lid and discover it contains not only the magical scroll you hope to find, but also two other extremely valuable scrolls. Your companions haven't yet seen what you've found in the chest. So, I could keep all three scrolls to myself. Now that's, that's, just, that's just disrespectful. We've all worked for this. We, we all worked for this. So we should all get reward. I mean, we're brothers. We're brothers in a in an event. We're an adventure team. We help each other. We share. Yes, share all three scrolls with your companions. I'm definitely leading to that. Or secretly keep the two extra scrolls yourself. For yourself. Okay, that, that's still dishonest. Not as dishonest as keeping all three scrolls. And very unlikely to arouse any sort of suspicion on their part. But it is dishonest. So share all three scrolls with your companions. Of course, of course. Your decision is made. You reveal the two additional scrolls to your companions. And the three of you immediately make plans to sell the artefacts and equally divide the bounty of gold they're certain to fetch. It is a happy and profitable out outcome to what has been a long and dangerous quest. Your every thought is suddenly bent on things that haven't yet been and may never come to pass. Your head swims as your surroundings slowly come back into focus. The scene around you swiftly changes to a time, place, and circumstance that confronts you with yet another thorny trilemma. Evening the odds. In a one-down quadrangle in Trithic's northern section, you happen upon a grim scene. Three men, wielding cudgels, are seemingly making sport of an unarmed man whose bloodied face betrays the brutal keep brutal treatment he's received. One of the assailants, the largest of the trio, steps forward as he raises his weapon as the unarmed man attempts to position himself to block the intimate blow. Hmm, so three options here. Toss the unarmed man a weapon. I mean, it does make it fair. Fairer, but not fair. It's still three against one. And I don't know how good a warrior this guy is. 
So it, it could it could just just put him even more peril. Because now now they're also fighting to defend themselves. I could step in and defend the unarmed man. Now that is the traditional thing to do. Or I could do nothing. No, 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 not doing nothing. Not doing nothing. Step in and defend the unarmed man. The decision is made. You leap into the fray and move to stand shoulder to shoulder with the unarmed man. He seems startled by your sudden arrival, but smiles and nods when you hand him a weapon. Within moments, your three opponents take fright and take flight, having suddenly lost their nerve. The man thanks you and hands the weapon back before turning and darting off along the lane. Your every thought is suddenly bent on things you haven't yet be that haven't yet been and may never come to pass. Your head swim swims as your surroundings slowly come back into focus. The scene around you swiftly changes to a time, place and circumstance that confronts you with yet another thorny trilemma. Alright, now. Okay, we've passed 50 minutes. If we, if we try to do all of the trial of choices, choices, you know, with, with, you know, the discussion around the, around, around the choices being presented, we will go way over an hour. And that will make, and that will make this episode too long so we'll stop here and next time we'll finish the trial of choices and until then farewell fellow adventurers support for this podcast and the following message come from corient corient provides wealth management services centered around you they focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. 
Do more with Viator. 